Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in, everybody. Episode 7, College Football Betting. I am your host, Aaron Torres. Hope everybody is having a great Monday afternoon, Monday evening, and hope everybody had a great weekend watching college football. Really fun time of year. I think we are finally starting to get a feel for who these teams are, how good they are, in the case of an Oklahoma or Clemson, how not good they are. And this is going to be, it's go time now. It is week five. We are heading into week five. This is the early week episode of College Football Betting with Aaron Torres where we react to the opening lines. Uh, This show did get out a little bit later than I was hoping to today on Monday, but there's good reason. It is because we have partnered with DraftKings Sportsbook. That is right. If you missed the announcement, I uh, it's been plastered all over my social media, Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, Aaron Torres pod on Instagram. But we have partnered with DraftKings Sportsbook, one of the biggest sports books, obviously, on the planet. Uh, and I'm really excited. And here's the deal. I'm not going to bombard you with a ton of information right now. But obviously, as we get to Thursday's episode and every episode going forward, uh, DraftKings is going to work with me and my team to make sure that we get you some good deals to get you over to DraftKings and get you uh, signed up and fired up uh, to work with them. Again, great company, really excited to be working with them. And wait for Thursday's episode. I'll get you some details on what you need to do heading into the college football betting weekend. Speaking of college football betting weekend, what a weekend it was. Uh, Again, I don't push picks on you on this show, but I'll tell you this. College football picks 4-1-1 one, one last week. This after a 5-2 week the week before. So 9-3-1 overall, if that math is correct. Uh, all the picks go up every Wednesday at AaronTorresOnline.com. All right, so let's get to uh, the Week 5 slate. And I'll tell you this. The Week 5 slate, in my opinion, I think you can legitimately argue maybe the best slate that we have had so far in college football. And you go back to week one, and I I think it's tough to top that week one slate with Georgia Clemson, Miami, Alabama, UCLA, LSU, Notre Dame versus uh, Florida State, Ole Miss, Louisville. But you start to look back at that week one slate and you realize, wait a second now, some of those teams, some of those matchups that look great on paper, they weren't really that great. Uh, Alabama-Miami has a totally different feel today than it did the day after the Alabama-Miami game. I'll take it a step further. That uh, Georgia-Clemson game has a major different feel as Clemson cannot move the ball against anybody, not just Georgia's defense. So we now, heading into week five, have a great feel for who these teams are, who's good, what they're good at, and I think it's going to make for a fascinating week five slate. 
And so let's get into it. Let's talk about the big ones. And there is no bigger one than 3.30 Eastern, 2.30 Central, CBS, Gary and Brad, Tuscaloosa, Bryant-Denny Stadium, Ole Miss at Alabama. Ole Miss opened as a 15.5 point underdog, excuse me, so obviously Alabama a 15.5 point favorite. The over-under was at 76.5, now up to 77.5, and I think they're both moving in the direction that in my head they probably should be. Again, I don't push my picks on you. I don't push my opinions on you, but I, I, it makes sense to me that this number is falling and that the over-under is going up. First of all, from Alabama's perspective, I'll just tell you this. I know folks in Tuscaloosa, they don't like to admit it, they're afraid of this Ole Miss team. It's really interesting. You know, I'm fortunate enough in this business, I know a lot of people across the country in the media. And what I can tell you is one of my best friends is a guy named Ryan Fowler. He hosts a radio show in Alabama, tied 100.9, four hours a day. And basically all he does for four hours a day, 20 hours a week, is take calls from Alabama fans. Alabama fans are worried about Ole Miss, and I think they have every right to be. I think you could go back to last year and you can legitimately argue Ole Miss gave Alabama as much trouble as anyone in college football did last year, and that includes Ohio State, Notre Dame in the playoff. That includes, you know, Florida maybe is the only other one that you could compare to because Florida had success against them in the SEC championship game. But Ole Miss put some fear into Alabama. Last year they played in Oxford. It was 21-21 at the half, 42-35 going into the fourth quarter. Alabama won 63-48 as a final score, but that was really more because Alabama, or Ole Miss excuse me, just ran out of gas uh, than Alabama really had the tools to stop them. Well, here's the crazy part. Ole Miss is a lot better on offense this year and probably a little bit better on defense. First of all, when it comes to the offense, credit Matt Corral. It's early, but so far he is taking care of the football. Nine touchdowns, zero interceptions. Also worth noting, by the way, Ole Miss is coming off a bye. They did not have to play last week. Huge advantage to them coming into this game. On top of that with Ole Miss, I think another important factor that I don't know if people realize, Ole Miss is a very good running team. And I talked about it on Monday's Aaron Torres podcast. I talked about the idea that you think of these high-powered passing offenses, Oklahoma, for example. Oklahoma's problem is they can't run the ball. And when they've been great under Lincoln Riley offensively, they have been able to run the ball effectively. Well, Ole Miss runs the ball really well. Top five nationally in rushing, almost 300 yards per game. It's like 298 yards per game that they're able to run the ball. And so you look at Ole Miss, and because of that rush attack, what they have been able to do is score and score quickly. And I think this is the fear if you're Alabama. You cannot fall behind. You cannot get down 7, 10, 12, 14 points because once you fall behind Ole Miss, you're not catching up, and they are scoring quickly out of the gate. 26-point lead at halftime, or 26 total points, excuse me, against Louisville in that opening game. Remember, uh, Lake Kiffin wasn't even in the building for that game. 26 points in the first half against Louisville, 43 for the game. 37 first-half points against Austin P in Week 2. 40 first-half points against Tulane. This is all just the first half. And so Alabama, you can't fall behind. And then from Alabama's perspective, you also got to prove that you can stop the run. And I think that is what the fear of Alabama fans is. We saw against Florida, they really did struggle to stop the run uh, against Florida. Florida had 245 yards rushing. 
over six yards per carry. Florida was able to move the ball. And on top of that, uh, Alabama on, on the offensive side of the ball, I think you got to be a little bit worried because your best running back, Brian Robinson, was banged up and it didn't play against Southern Miss. Now, he is expected to be 100% for this game. He is expected to be back. But I just bring it up to say, you know, there's a lot going against Alabama going into this game. They are a 14.5-point favorite. I expect that number to continue to come down. I expect the over-under to continue to go up. Second big game in the SEC, Arkansas, Georgia, open at 19, down to 18 and a half, over under is at 49. And so this is another one that's coming down. And this is another one, I'll be honest, the number feels really big to me. Arkansas, I understand they're new to the block. Nobody was expecting them to be 4-0 at this point. Um, but uh, almost three touchdown favorite against Georgia feels like a lot. Uh, and I think the big thing with Arkansas that you have to wonder when you look at this point spread, it could be one of two things. One, maybe they just missed and it's already down to half a point. So that's at least possible. And when I say maybe they, I mean the odds makers. Two, I think you got to be a little bit concerned Arkansas with injuries, okay? They just played a physical, brutal game against Texas A&M. They get the win, credit to them. But they, you know, they, they took some bumps and bruises along the way. K.J. Jefferson missed most of the second half. He was pretty banged up. Traylon Burks, the leading wide receiver, was banged up coming out of that game. And Sam Pittman in his Monday media availability said, like, look, this is the SEC. It's what happened. Guys get beat up. A couple of their O-linemen also were struggling with injuries coming into that game. So that will be something to monitor and something I will obviously get you an update on later in the week as we get more information out of Sam Pittman. But at the same time, if Arkansas is healthy, you got to feel really good about this team. And here's the reason why. Georgia probably has the best run defense in, in the SEC, but you know who we could have said that about uh, coming into last week? Maybe not the best run defense, but a very formidable front seven was Texas A&M, and Arkansas was still able to move the ball against Texas A&M. Arkansas came into the game against Texas A&M, ranked eighth nationally in rushing yards. They came out of the game ranked eighth nationally in rushing yards, and so you got to feel pretty good about their ability to at least, you would think, move the ball against Georgia. Now, I know Georgia's elite. I know, as Shane Beamer told us a few days ago, Nobody recruits quite like Georgia does outside of Alabama, maybe Ohio State. Uh, but Arkansas, to their credit, they were able to put up almost 200 yards rushing on the ground against AM, and you'd have to think that they would be able to move the ball here against Georgia. As it pertains to Georgia, we're going to learn a lot about them. And I think what's interesting coming into this game from Georgia's perspective is this, is what do we really know about them? Now, to be clear, Anyone who listens to this show, anyone who listens to the Aaron Torres podcast knows, I don't criticize good teams for beating the crap out of bad teams, okay? I think there's a lot of people in the media that say, well, Georgia destroyed Vanderbilt. They're supposed to. It's like, yeah, I know they're supposed to destroy Vanderbilt. It's not always that easy, though. I mean, they won 62 to nothing. It was, uh, you know, it was 38 to nothing at halftime. I think it's easy to say Georgia's supposed to destroy Vanderbilt, but you're coming off a big emotional win against South Carolina. Not emotional, but you're coming off a night game, all this. Then you got a noon kickoff against Vanderbilt. I mean, in, in the past, that Georgia team comes out and it's 7-3 at halftime instead of 38-3. And so I think with Georgia, I love the energy that they bring every single game to uh, to uh, to the opponents that they've played, but I also think this this might be their toughest challenge of the year because I think when you look at Georgia, you got to remember that performance against Clemson that we were lauding on opening night, which I think we should have, by the way. You win 10-3, you hold them to three points, but at the same time, you got to remember this as well. 
think about that Clemson team, what they look like now versus what they look like then, and what we think about Clemson now versus what we think about them then. So you win 10-3, you don't score a single offensive point. Now, Clemson's defense is elite, but at the same time, this feels a lot different now when you consider that NC State just put up points against Clemson, that Georgia Tech was able to put up at least some points against Clemson. What does it all mean? I don't know. But I'm just telling you, it is something to think about when you factor in this game as well. And I think finally, the other thing that I was thinking about a little bit that would concern me from the opposite perspective, Arkansas. I do like their ability to run the ball. I do like their ability to move the ball. The injuries concern me. And I would also continue to add that they did strike a couple really big plays against uh, against uh, Texas A&M, two 40-plus yard touchdown passes. If that does not happen, it's a different game. So that is also something to consider coming into this game. But I'll tell you this, really fun game, great run attack versus great run defense. This one is going to be as fun as anybody in a noon kickoff. Speaking of a great run attack versus a great run defense, we might even have a better version of that in Camp Randall also at noon Eastern. If you like between the tackles running, baby, noon, noon Eastern Saturday is your kind of day. Michigan is going to Wisconsin. This game opened as a pick -em. Michigan is now a one-point favorite. Um, the over-under started at 44. It's down to 43 and a half. And let me just tell you, you want uh, three yards in a cloud of dust? This game is for you. Uh, Wisconsin comes into this game ranked as the number one defense, uh, run defense in college football. So as good as Georgia is, statistically, Wisconsin has been better. And I think you take player for player. There's no doubt Georgia has more talent, just to be clear. But on the flip side, Michigan, number one run defense coming into last week. They are now the number five rush defense, run offense. And so it will be kind of strength versus strength. Who has the edge, Wisconsin or Michigan? As it pertains to the two teams coming into this game, I think we're going to kind of learn a lot about both of them, and I think they're both kind of frustrated coming out of last week. Now, it sounds weird from the Michigan perspective. You beat Rutgers 20-3, to except here's the problem. You beat them 20-3, to but you or 20-13, to but you were up 20-3 to at halftime. The first four drives of your second half, you go three and out. And so Michigan is cruising. They're up 20-3. to three. You feel good. This program is back. Maybe this is finally the year they beat Ohio State. And then they put up zero points in the, first, in the second half against Rutgers. Rutgers. And on top of that, should also keep in mind, they didn't even get a first down until late in the fourth quarter, under three minutes to go in the second half. So no second half first downs until three minutes to go in the first quarter. You got that one, two, three, four all in a row. So Michigan, is Cade McNamara any better than any of these other quarterbacks that Jim Harbaugh has had? Can Jim Harbaugh develop a quarterback? And can Wisconsin make Cade McNamara beat them because we know that run defense is elite? Now with Wisconsin, it's kind of the same deal. I'm just going to say, Graham Mertz, I give myself credit. I don't like to pat myself. Okay, I do love to pat myself on the back. But I told you, Graham Mertz, the Wisconsin quarterback, uh, he ain't it. He's been struggling. Five touchdowns in his first game last year. And then four touchdowns and five interceptions the rest of the year. Two interceptions against Penn State. You know what happened last week? Five interceptions against Notre Dame. Now, some of it was late. Some of it was, uh, you know, late in the game when obviously Notre Dame was dropping back in pass coverage and Wisconsin had to throw the ball. But when you're talking about five interceptions from your quarterback, that uh, four interceptions, excuse me, I'm sorry, four interceptions. Not ideal. Not ideal. 
And so the question becomes, does Graham Mertz take care of the ball? The good news, if you're a Wisconsin fan, Michigan with just one interception through four games. But this is going to be a fascinating game from both teams' perspectives because, again, it's going to be strength on strength and kind of weakness versus weakness, right? Strength on strength with Michigan's run game versus Wisconsin's run defense, but then weakness on weakness. Wisconsin can't throw the ball, but Michigan's really not making teams pay for that. Got to be fascinating. The line has moved to one point. Michigan is now a one-point road favorite in Camp Randall. All right, this what I want to do. I want to take a quick break. I want to come back, talk about the other big games from this weekend coming up, Cincinnati-Notre Dame, uh, Iowa-Maryland, I think, is a really interesting one. Oklahoma-Kansas State and much, much more. Stay tuned. I will be right back. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. And it's interesting because you look at this weekend slate, you think Ole Miss, Alabama. You think Arkansas, Georgia. There's only one matchup of top 10 opponents it is actually in South Bend, Indiana, where Cincinnati goes to Notre Dame. Cincinnati is in the top 10. Notre Dame moved to the top 10 after the win over Wisconsin. And I'll tell you, you talk about a fascinating point spread. Cincinnati, Luke Fickle's Bearcats, they open as a two-point favorite on the road in South Bend. And then from there, the over-under is 50 and a half. But just think about that line for a second. You know... Sometimes it's cliche to do the, what does Vegas want you to do, right? Well, just think about this, though. But just think about it. Notre Dame just scored 41 points against Wisconsin. 41 points in a neutral site win against Wisconsin. They are a two-point underdog at home against Cincinnati. So it means one of three things. Either Vegas thinks Cincinnati's really good, which is obviously possible. They think, Cincinnati, they think Notre Dame's maybe a fraud, which is also possible, or they just really, really, really hate Wisconsin. And when I say Notre Dame's a fraud, I don't mean a fraud in the traditional sense because I just did a whole spiel on Monday's Aaron Torres pod about how much I love Notre Dame and how much I respect Brian Kelly. Basically, I believe they are now sort of an underrated program in the grand scheme of college football. But I think it's fair to question Notre Dame coming out of that game. Uh, they beat Wisconsin, but we all know what happened. Uh, they had two pick sixes. They had a kick return for a touchdown. So 21 non-offensive points. Even without them, they would have beaten Wisconsin. But 21 non-offensive points against Wisconsin results in a 28-point win that was obviously a lot closer than it should have been. Also worth noting, 248 yards of total offense against Wisconsin. Part of that is Wisconsin's defense is awesome, but part of that is also that I just don't think that Notre Dame is going to move the ball very effectively against really good defenses this year, and that is exactly what Cincinnati is. Another note with this game, it's obviously worth noting, just like Alabama with Brian Robinson, just like Arkansas with K.J. Jefferson and, and Traylon Burks, the big question here. Notre Dame starting quarterback, Jack Cohn. I mean, is he going to be healthy? He was listed as the number one starter on the depth chart on Monday, but obviously left that game banged up against Wisconsin, did not come back. Drew Pine, the backup quarterback, came in for Notre Dame. He played really well. Shout out Drew Pine, Connecticut kid like me, New Canaan, Connecticut. That's actually like an hour and a half from where I grew up. But still, us Connecticut kids got to stick together. He was awesome, but I think that's something to monitor all week. Which quarterback is actually in this game for Notre Dame? Is Jack Cohn fully healthy, ready to go? And what does it mean for this game? 
it's just going to be fascinating because Cincinnati, like Ole Miss, actually had a bye. Of course, the last time that we saw them, they played Indiana, and I thought they did a very effective job against Indiana, slowing them down late. Uh, it was a game where early on, uh, Cincinnati was really struggling to move the ball. Now, I will admit, they did get help with a questionable targeting call. One of Indiana's key players was knocked out of that game due to targeting. But you still look at what they were able to do. Uh, the fact that they held uh, Indiana uh, effective, but they, they what they did a good job with was defensively no big plays in the passing game, 224 yards passing on 40 attempts for Indiana. So Cincinnati's a real defense. We'll see if Notre Dame has any ability to move the ball against them. I would be concerned. I need to see who's starting a quarterback. And I think it's worth noting that win was great for, for Notre Dame, but also we need to remember there's a reason that Notre Dame was a seven-point, six-and-a-half-point underdog going into the Wisconsin game. There might be a reason that they are a two-point underdog going into this game. The odds makers very clearly have no respect for them. Want to go to Friday night. This one is like, this one, like my eyes, I did like the, uh, you know, Bugs Bunny, Donald Duck, Daffy Duck, whatever it is. My eyes exploded out of my eye sockets when I saw this game and I saw this line. Friday night, Iowa, top five team on a Friday night. They go to Maryland. And I'll tell you, spread is four, over under 46. This is a fascinating one to me. And let me explain why. Uh, Maryland, they can really throw the ball. And it's interesting. I, I think I told this story a few weeks ago, but... Uh, you know, Maryland last year, so Indiana got really good out of nowhere last year. And during that process, I bet against Indiana about 100 days, 100 games in a row, which is incredible. They only played like seven games, but I feel like I lost about 10, 15, 20 weeks in a row on Indiana. But in the process of betting against Indiana every single week, I learned a lot about a lot of other teams. And I learned, I saw last year with Tua's brother and with Mike, Mike Loxley, Maryland was able to move the ball through the air last year really, really, really effectively. And I made note of that coming into this year because I'm going to tell you right now, I think Maryland is one of the most underrated teams, at least with their ability to move the ball, their ability to pass the ball of anyone in college football. They rank in the top 10 nationally in passing. Tua's brother is obviously the quarterback there. He's completing almost 76% of his passes, 10 touchdowns, one interception. I'm not saying it's not that, that part of it is they, they've played some pretty weak competition early on, but I'm just bringing it up to say that team can move the ball. And what is interesting to me about this game is Iowa. And I told you this about Iowa over the last couple weeks. Iowa's a really talented team. But Iowa basically, they made their entire living the first three weeks with the ability to turn you over, okay? You watch that Iowa-Iowa State game. Iowa finished with something absurd like under 200 yards of total offense, but they forced so many turnovers against Iowa State that they got all their offense off of turnovers. I'm looking at the box score right now. Four turnovers forced, 173 yards of total offense for Iowa against Iowa State. So under 200 yards against Iowa State. That is important because we saw what happened last week in a game against, the, who did they play? They played Colorado State. Colorado State, they played Colorado State. It was 24-14 to 14 was the final score, and it was close late. And you know why? Colorado State only turned the ball over once. Iowa did their Iowa thing. They were relying on turnovers. They did not come. They ended up winning the game, but... Under 300 yards of total offense, uh, 54 yards rushing, less than two yards per rush for Iowa. So I'm just telling you, if they do not turn you over, 
they are beatable. Maryland at home Friday night. The team is good. They might be ranked if they win this game. I'm just telling you, that is a game to keep an eye on on Friday night. Also worth noting, BYU also plays on the road at Utah State. BYU is kind of a fascinating team. If you look at the advanced metrics, nobody buys into BYU, even though they are 4-0. They have three wins over Pac-12 schools. They did beat South Florida on Friday or Saturday night. excuse me. So you look at BYU, that's another interesting one from their perspective. I want to hit on a couple quick games before we get out of here. Oklahoma at Kansas State, spread 10.5. Oklahoma, a 10.5 point favorite, over under 52.5. Listen, talked about on the Aaron Torres pod Oklahoma's not good I mean we could keep arguing and debating and they'll figure like we're quarter of the way through we're third of the way through the season now we've played four games Oklahoma isn't good and here's the thing everybody was so focused on Spencer Rattler coming out of that game against West Virginia where they won 16 to 13 here's the truth what nobody realizes they can't run the ball okay so I looked it up take out they play they've played four games so far by the way easily could have lost three of them Needed a last-minute stand against Tulane to beat Tulane. Uh, on top of that, in addition to that game, obviously it was the Nebraska game where Nebraska, two missed field goals, a blocked PAT return for a touchdown. That matters. Eight points was left on the field by Nebraska. They lose by seven. And then this past weekend against West Virginia. So here's the thing with Oklahoma, though, and I said it with Ole Miss, is that everyone thinks of these high-powered passing attacks Oklahoma, in their best years under Lincoln Riley, when Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield won the Heisman Trophy, they were in the top 20 nationally in rushing, okay? Take out a game against Western Carolina, where Western Carolina is an FCS team. Just focus on the FBS opponents they've played. If he did that, they would rank 105th nationally in rushing. They can't run the ball. They cannot run the ball. And guess what? You know who they're playing this week? Kansas State. Know what Kansas State's strength is? Number eight rush defense in college football is Kansas State. This game is in Manhattan. It is worth noting the last time that Oklahoma played in Manhattan was the year Jalen Hurts was there. Oklahoma lost that game. Not sure if you remember. It was a crazy game, by the way. It was a crazy shootout. Uh, The final score is like 48 to 41 uh, in that vein. And Kansas State beat them. By the way, Kansas State won in Norman last year as well. And so Kansas State, believe it or not, is riding a two-game winning streak against Oklahoma final score by the way that year was 48-41 Kansas State won last time the game was in Manhattan so I'm just telling you this is a game to keep an eye on I will definitely keep you updated on this game I think it'll be worth noting we're starting to get to the end of September could weather be a factor it's cold it's raining we'll see but Oklahoma they can't run the ball this is the best run defense they'll have played so far also worth noting first road game of the year for Oklahoma as well wrap up speaking of stink You know what stinks? You know what's rotten? Clemson. 16-point favorite against Boston College. 46.5 is the over-under. I'm just going to tell you, I don't think Clemson should be favored by 16 points against just about anybody, certainly in the ACC at the Power 5 level. Clemson's not good. They cannot move the ball. They're 121st nationally in offense right now. And that's not some weird adjusted for this or that. or No. They're 121st nationally in offense after four games. Again, we are a third of the way through the season. That is not going to change. And it's worth noting, Boston College has a top 20 defense in college football. Now, it's also worth noting, there's quarterback Phil Jerkovich. He is out for the season, hurt his hand in week two. And so this is going to be a defensive battle. I expect that over-under of 46.5 to continue to go down from here. A couple other ones before we get out of here. Florida at Kentucky. Florida is a four is an 8.5-point favorite. Over-under is 54.5. What I'll just tell you is this. First of all, Kentucky, they're 4-0. They have two wins over SEC opponents. 
I don't really care about polls. doesn't really matter to me. How is Clemson ranked? Kentucky has two SEC wins, and they're not ranked at all. It makes no sense to me. It makes no sense to me. So why do I bring it up? It's because I think Kentucky, listen, I will say this with Kentucky. There's, there's good and bad with Kentucky. With Florida, we know their deal. I've talked about them a lot the last two weeks. They take care of, uh, they nearly beat Alabama. They take care of Tennessee last weekend. We know they run the ball really well. What is interesting about this series, though, this game is always competitive, especially when it's in Lexington. Last three times this game has been played in Lexington, here are the scores. 29-21 in 2019. 28-27 in 2017, 14-9 in 2015. So the last three times this game has been played, basically since Mark Stoops really got things rolling at Kentucky, this game has been decided by eight points or less. Um, but then there's some bad with Kentucky too. And I say Kentucky's 4-0. I think they deserve to be ranked. They have turned the ball over a ton. Six turnovers in the last two games. That has to be cleaned up as they get set to face Florida this weekend at Kroger Field. That is going to be a night game. It's worth noting. A couple other lines that caught my attention. Texas at TCU. Texas a five-point favorite. I don't generally like road underdogs. I don't gen or road favorites. I don't generally bet them. Texas historically has struggled against TCU. That is something to keep in mind. Texas also looked awesome last week against Texas Tech. TCU really, really, really struggled. Outside of that, some other interesting ones. I'll tell you this. Pitt's a three-and-a-half-point three favorite at Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's playing really well. Should have beat Clemson the last few week, uh, two weeks ago. Did take care of North Carolina. They're playing well. Jeff Collins has them believing that is a game worth keeping an eye on. Tennessee, a field goal underdog at Missouri. I don't think anyone knows what to make of Missouri at this point. Tennessee, it's kind of the same deal. Until we know who the quarterback is, I don't love it. A&M, a seven-point favorite against Mississippi State. This is one to keep an eye on. I think this one is interesting to me. This will open at nine and a half. It's down to seven right now, okay? So if you believe that Texas A&M is overvalued as a touchdown favorite, I would get in on that one early because this is one that is going to continue to go down and down and down and down and down. Louisville on a three-game losing streak after losing to Ole Miss on opening night. They are at Wake Forest, which is now ranked. Wake Forest a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Louisville able to move the ball early against Florida State, struggled late. That is another interesting one from my perspective as well. There are other games, USC-Colorado, USC a touchdown road favorite, which is mind-boggling to me. Uh, but we will listen. We got enough time, Oregon, an eight-point road favorite at Stanford. We got enough time to break down all these games on the next episode of College Football Betting. Uh, and I'll have some updates on the DraftKings deal. But DraftKings is officially our partner for this show and for Aaron Torres Media. Really excited to be working with them and really excited to get you guys working with them because they are a great company that I really think you are going to uh, – you're going to just enjoy the user experience with them and everything that comes with it. Before we get out of here, that is all going to be all for today's episode if you didn't figure it out. Uh, make sure that you're subscribed to College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. Thank you again for your support, by the way. Numbers continue to go up. Last Thursday's episode was the most downloaded show that we have ever done. Uh, last Thursday was the most downloads we've done in one day. Uh, that eclipsed the previous Thursday. So you guys are crushing it, and we appreciate your support. Uh, make sure you're subscribed. So, uh, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, uh, and also make sure to share with friends and family. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at Aaron Torres Pod. I will be back on Thursday to talk more about this loaded slate of college football.